0: In today's episode, I had the pleasure of talking to the brilliant Joe Royal, a former ocean racing skipper and founder of Common Sea. Joe's journey is pretty extraordinary. She has skippered boats across the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, across the Antarctic Circle and even to the Sundarbans. And keep listening if you don't know where the Sundarbans are. Her most significant venture afloat, though, may well be co-designing and skippering the Plastiki. This 60-foot catamaran, made from 12,000 discarded plastic drinks bottles, sailed 8,000 miles across the Pacific, sparking a crucial conversation on marine plastic pollution. Joe's now the founder of Common Seas, and in our chat, we delve into the inspiration behind what she's doing now, the work they're doing, which includes some pretty alarming research that found microplastics in human blood. Joe Royal, the ocean uh, is clearly, or certainly seems to be a big part of your life. Where, Where did this start? Where does this come from?
1: feel like I've always had a strong connection to the ocean and been really drawn to the sea. And then I was very fortunate to have some wonderfully inspiring sea creatures in my life, my father being one, and then my first boyfriend who taught me a love for voyaging. And then um, I was really fortunate to go to have my first job at sea under an a old salty sea dog called Trevor Vincette, who I crossed many oceans with and he took me under his under his wing and made any rough ocean seem like a breeze and so I think yeah but to me like the the ocean is there a, a plays a big kind of character in my life I have a, a relationship with it A bit like I do with my family, which maybe sounds a bit strange.
0: You need to elaborate. I mean, I'm intrigued by that. Where where are you going with that one? I just
1: think that (laughs) you know, in in my life, and and I'm sure to you as well. Like you, you know, you have this. I live by the sea. I spend as much time as possible in or on the sea, and I have this constant communication with the the with the ocean, which is like crazy because it's huge. But um, yeah, it makes you feel. It's always a place that answers my questions, makes mm. me feel balanced and back inside myself.
0: Uh, you describe yourself as a, as a former racing skipper. Um, you've been to the Antarctic, cross the Atlantic, um, the Sunderbunds. I, I actually look those up. They're um, south coast of um, Bangladesh, isn't that right? Um, yeah, so near, near India,
1: Bangladesh. India. India, Bangladesh, yeah. I've not
0: been, I've not been there. You've, you've done a lot of sailing, a lot of it competitively. I, what are one or two lessons from that world that that stick with you in in the work you're doing today
1: i think that we're incredibly capable if we work with nature focus if we look after each other and i think you know working at sea you learn to understand that growth doesn't come from a comfortable place sometimes Mm. and i think that that's a, a a really strong teaching that takes me through life Maybe you can resonate with that.
0: That rings true with me for sure. Well, speak, speaking of uncomfortable times, what what was? Can you pick a single toughest challenge that you faced on on the ocean?
1: I think there's so many, isn't there? Because you know, there's those days like when you've been at sea for a long time and there's no wind and you're going backwards and you're racing and that's incredibly frustrating. So managing that. And then there's there's those days where. You know the wind is hurricane force, and it's the middle of the night, and something at the top of the mast breaks, and that's physically, you know, takes it, takes it all out, all out of you. Uh, so I think there's there's all the extremes from incredible boredom to uh, incredible adrenaline, and I think mm. that's you know the wonderful thing about spending months months and months living in the middle of an ocean.
0: Mm. What, what does it taught you about getting on with other people? Because I I think I can empathise. In part, like I've spent 108 nights sharing right. a tent with one other person. Right. You know, changed our underwear three times, shared a pee bottle at night. But yeah. that was only half the time. Like during the day, we we were apart from each other. We we'd take in turns navigate, swap over. We, not a huge amount of interaction, and, and there's a lot of sort of personal space during the day. But I'm 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 kind yeah. of guessing. I've done I've done a little bit of sailing, but the longest trip was less than a week. So what's it like? being you know that that sort of enforced you know sort of cohabitation of a, of a small space in challenging conditions well what's it taught you about human dynamics
1: i suppose your experience is quite like double-handed racing where you're at sea for quite a long period of time but you're always you're quite often exchanging sleep patterns you know look i think that working at sea is, an, is is a beautiful experience with people that haven't spent much time with and you jump on a boat and you have the shared goal of keeping each other safe and, and getting to the destination sometimes as quick as possible or sometimes as efficiently as possible. And I think, you know, you really, you, you learn how to be comfortable in each other's space and to understand the kind of ebbs and flows of emotions within within a community and, and actually that that kind of emotional intelligence is really relied upon. So, yeah, this is like actually moving ashore, is the one thing that I miss, you know, those nights where you're underneath the most incredible skies, sharing stories with people that you know you maybe hadn't known a few days before.
0: Very cool, actually. Something I've not had in my world: well, twenty-four hour daylight in the in the high Arctic, and Antarctica, when, when I'm up there. Oh, you I'm
1: didn't busy. have, so yeah, of course. Never, never
0: had a, never had a shared, you know. Starry night in the middle of nowhere on an expedition. Yeah, of course. So, gosh, maybe it's time to switch. Yeah, switch there
1: things. you go. To play. <laughs>
0: we met a long, long time ago before a, a mm. big project called Plastiki. And I remember when I heard about that. So, it, it happened in 2010 or set sail in 2010. Is that right? So, yeah. a while ago. I, I thought at the time, cool project. Um, and, and that was in some ways maybe ahead of its time in, 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 in getting us to rethink plastic how we use plastic but what what sparked the idea and and how did you how did you get involved?
1: So I think it was 2009 and at the time we were just starting to hear about Captain Charles Moore who'd been sailing back from the Transpac a ocean race that took him to Hawaii and he'd come back and discovered this garbage patch of, of plastic in the middle of Pacific and we all had these kind of images, didn't we, that we could go and live out there or go and clean it up and solve the plastic problem. And you know, it was all really interesting articles that were being shared. Then the United Nations came out with an article that you know predicting that that plastic would be one of these existential crises of our generation. And um and this article had really captured the imagination of, of David Rothschild. You know, he's a wonderful creative mind and he decided that right, I'm gonna build a raft and and sail it out to this island of plastic and and tell everyone about it and then he through our relationship I think how we met as well through the Royal Geographical Society David and I were introduced I was a a sailing skipper at the time and uh, managed some boat build projects so I I got involved I jumped at the chance of getting involved obviously flew out to San Francisco and uh, to see the the raft was greeted by a pile of twelve thousand plastic bottles. He proceeded to spend like, I'd probably twelve months, you know, working some incredible minds to, to turn those bottles into a raft that was capable of of uh, safely transporting five lives across the biggest ocean, the Pacific Ocean. It was at a time. That there was a role to play in connecting people to uh, to the environment and to our life source, and the plastiki was an incredible storytelling platform and one that obviously I'm biased because I was fortunate to be involved with. But you you don't see it really captured people's imagination yeah. and and played that role in 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 bringing awareness that actually what we buy on land and our material choices on land have far far reaching reaching impacts. So yeah, an incredible part
0: Mm. of my life very quite it's certainly caught caught my imagination i guess um in the in the gosh in the decade and a bit since since plastic what changes have you noticed in the way that people think about or deal with plastic pollution
1: well the first change that is important to touch on is that there's more plastic being produced every year year on year that is an unfortunate change and and i think that was really kind of a motivating you know, to land in we sailed from san francisco to sydney and to land in in sydney after kind of this two year really voyage building the boat sailing it for three and a half months across the pacific to land in sydney with so much energy from thousands of people that had supported us going like what do we do what do we do about this so knowing that actually every day there's more and more plastic being pumped out into the ocean that was a real kind of um shifted my life really to work on tackling plastics so, so now the role of campaigners like like my organisation is has moved from kind of awareness raising. Like what is wonderful is that everyone knows every government we work with, every business, no one wants our ocean to be choking on plastic. My organisation Common Seas has discovered plastic in our blood. You know, we we know that there's all these chemicals associated with it that are not good for us. We all know this, no one wants it. And the other great thing is that we know how to solve it, right? So we've got like the modeling would say that we have 80% of the solutions. So Mm -hmm. we know how to solve it. So we just need to get on and do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you mentioned Plastiki as clearly it was a brilliant way brilliant platform uh, to tell an important story um and it's a story that 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 is potentially quite gloomy quite depressing like what what (laughs) do you think about the the importance of storytelling when it comes to the climate the environment the natural world and and what we're what we're doing to it
1: yeah i mean we were really careful with the plastic key because originally we were building this raft of rubbish to sail it out to an island of rubbish Right, And and we went to National Geographic to say, look, can you film us? And they were like, oh, yeah. uh, a story about a negative story about rubbish. And that really made us rethink the whole voyage, right? Yeah. So the Plastiki was all about circular design principles. And it was, you know, how do we build products with the least toxicity using materials that have um, a life that um, harnesses a, as much of their natural resources as, as possible? So I think positive but factual storytelling plays a plays a huge role in connecting us with and empowering us to live in more balance with nature.
0: I think it, certainly in the last ten years, something that was not on my radar at all, and and now very much is. And I think your your work a big part of playing that is is microplastics, which is a a term yeah. a word that certainly wasn't on my radar a few years ago, yeah. and, and now it is. Um, your study around microplastics, you know, like most of us demonstrably have microplastics in our blood I remember reading that last year at about the same time that I'd read a a study uh, of uh, there were 19 sample sites in the 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 Ross Sea area of Antarctica and uh, Ross Ice Shelf so 19 snow sample sites every single one contained microplastics Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. this is a place where I spent many weeks of my life or months if if you sort of stretch it out into Antarctica continent. and I remember I was down there this was 10 years ago thinking that the snow that 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 tarka my teammate and i were digging up every evening to to melt to get our drinking water for the next twenty four hours thinking oh this must be the most pristine you know water on earth right now that we're drinking every single day i now know almost certainly that i was consuming microplastics it can be um microplastics can be be transported uh, particularly fibers at least six thousand kilometers we know like why, why isn't this a bigger deal um, and, and how, do we, how do we dig ourselves out of this, out of this mess? <laughs>
1: well, I think that um, you know, plastic is like visible climate change, isn't it? It's oil and it's like you know, you've got all micro, all macro, like large items of plastic will slowly fade into small particles of plastic, um, such as the particles that you were sopping on in the Ross shelf. We are surrounded with nanoplastics and microplastics um, and the the solution is to reduce the amount of production right up at the top, right? So that's how we how we stop it. And how do we motivate that stop? Well, then I think that the work in, in understanding the human health risks there, therefore, will, is a real motivator because you know, therefore, governments and and business leaders have a real in, imperative once they understand the science and the the evidence of the toxicity of these plastic particles that are. That are wrapping our wrapping our lives.
0: Mm, gosh, and, and plastics plastics clearly play a pretty crucial role in 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 so many things, and and particularly yeah. things like medicine, where where I gather there are a lot of things that that, that really aren't any viable. Uh, non-plastic sort of replacements right now and i was thinking i we, we are we are clearly both wearing woolen sweaters like yeah that wasn't that wasn't planned or scripted but but i'm also holding a plastic pen and i'm talking to you on a monitor that's surrounded by plastic with the production of plastics as you double in the next uh two decades like, how do we balance the the the, the need the demand with the environmental impact
1: we think about plastic as these physical items that are that that are around us, and we think about we can picture the waste and the waste in the environment, and we can picture how that waste might get into our bodies um in the same way as we've seen it build up in the environment over over our lifetime um but it's also important to kind of link it in uh with the fact that you know, plastic the the growth of plastic. Is going to comprise twenty percent of the carbon budget, you know. So if we think about the plastic, the petrochemicals, all the way to them through to the management, so it's actually critical to keeping an, uh, to one point five or two degrees. We need to see a reduction of around seventy percent of single-use plastic use. So it, it, that's how it equates to these issues that people, you know, um, but bi- climate change, and then also with biodiversity loss. Um, plastic in the environment as you've seen and plastic spreads uh, mismanaged waste and it spreads disease incredibly fast across the corals and across marine habitats which we're reliant on for our economies tourism and and our food and, and well-being right so I just wanted to connect it more to because I think you know people think oh you, you're just trying to ban the straw or ban the bottle and it's like no 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 this is like we are interconnected just because we're uh, common season, my work is focused on plastic. It's mm. also, you know, focusing on climate change and biodiversity, and it's all, we're all connected that way. And yeah, we're not saying like we need a world without plastic. We just need a world with a very sensible use of plastic. And what does that mean? It means that, okay, well, what are those items where it's really valuable? It's a really intelligent material in many ways, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's very cheap, it's very durable. And it needs to be used very, very, very sensibly. And things like some some health wrappings for for medicines that we could use that are probably healthier for us, and but it's the packaging, right? That we just mm. don't need um, single use plastic packaging. We, we need very very little of it, and we need to think when we when we extract resource out of nature, we need to think of how do we keep that, that value of nature in the economy for as long as long as long as possible. And actually, it's a complete myth that we can recycle uh, plastic because actually the tensile, the material strength of it, the, the properties of plastic are not endlessly recyclable. And actually, with the growth of um, production growing, doubling within the next tw- uh, 20 years, within now, keep saying that, but the years tick on, um, you know, plastics, production's doubling, only, only 12% of that volume will be managed by recycling. Hmm. So we really need to reduce production.
0: I spoke to someone a while ago, just a random chat with a stranger um, traveling somewhere who, who this was his world. And he said, well, the thing is, we we can't, at the moment, can't recycle it into food grade plastic. So it, it's, yeah, it was, it, it, it's sort of worrying to think it's it's more nuanced than most people realize. and I And there are some nuanced. things, you know, yeah. like aluminium yeah. that are theoretically sort of infinitely recyclable. Yeah. What are some of the most interesting sort of plastic replacements that you see? Like what's what's exciting you at the moment?
1: So what excites me, so my household deliveries excite me when I get my groceries from reusable you know, and delivered in Hessian sacks, and I paste the sacks back, and I get my detergents delivered. There's a lot of joy in it, and it feels really healthy, you know, so there's lots of ways that we can live without plastic.
0: And, and with, your, with your work at Common Seas, I, I, it's fascinating thinking about the, the sort of disconnect in a lot of people's minds, and I can imagine the frustration of, of people assuming that, that 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 what you're about is... Is these sort of totemic things like oh, it's the drinking straw or the or the the, the single use plastic carry bag from the supermarket? But but as you've explained, like it, this is a big part of a, a vast systemic challenge. But with, with with your work at Common Seas, like what what approaches have really made a difference in, in in pushing for change?
1: I think that at Common Seas, we you know we're about twenty people based internationally um, across Indonesia, Maldives, Greece, UK. Uh, it's a really wonderful experience to work with different people from different backgrounds from all over the world to solve this solve this problem and together we design and demonstrate solutions to tackle the root cause of the problem so we're really focusing on reduction of production and when you kind of look at what we do I suppose you know in a nutshell what we do is we provide the people with the power with the knowledge that they need to feel engaged and empowered to act right and what do we mean by that so we have like you have touched on, we we have this lab, lab in Imperial University, which is looking at um, how plastic particles are building up in our body and uh, what harm that might cause us. And um, and then we we have a series of kind of modeling tools that support countries to be able to and businesses to be able to model their their plastic emissions, mm. so they can really see then what plastics they're using, what's flowing through their economy. Uh, where it's being wasted, in what volume, and then we can overlay and um, um, scenarios, solution scenarios. And that's like, you know, bringing together, they have then the visualization, the evidence to bring together all the disparate stakeholders, because you're trying to switch a, a linear system where you've got someone designing the product and a marketing agent all the way up here with someone picking it up in the, in a river, like never, ever speaking so mm. what we can do with our modeling and our visualizations is bring everyone around the facts and then together we've got that collective knowledge and experience to design the solutions
0: is what are you sort of banging your head against right
1: understanding the harm that plastic particles are causing in our body so it's really tricky we've had to you know build new machinery to be able to mm. be able to see uh, microplastics amongst our very sticky blood protein And um, now we've got tissue samples from the intestine and the brain, and we'd we'd love to do the lung as well. And everything we do is is very very slow, um, because we're activists working with scientists. Very very slow, and it feels very small scale in comparison to the production to the rate of rate of production. Mm. But every time we learn something, it's bad news, and that's starting to concern me. Right, so. And, you know, and like you've, you've said, and we've both had the, the utter privilege to experience in our life, is that we've seen pristine nature, which is really, really rare now. It was the normal when we started our work in, in, ex- in exploring these wild places. And, and now it's a precious. And I think that concerns me, just kind of thinking, God, are we going to do the same in our bodies now?
0: Yeah. And I
1: think that if we can accelerate that understanding, then we really have the knowledge, right, to make the right decision. And people in, you know, our leaders uh, in business and government, they want to make the right decision by us. That's why they've chosen those jobs. So, so that's my like. Oh gosh, I just wish that I had a whole lab, you know, and like lots more scaling mm. that up.
0: What is next on your on your agenda for tackling plastic pollution preserving the oceans?
1: So we're going to scale up our research into human health impacts. We're going to support more governments, particularly. Uh, what we'd call low-middle-income governments, to to have their plan to reduce by the 70%, which is required to keep us under 1.5 and 2 degrees temperature. We're comfortable in doing that and scaling that up, so that's our focus. I'd love to do more, obviously, but... I've realised that we need to focus.
0: I've got a couple of couple of bonus round questions. Is there a uh, movie or a book or a story that you think people should read or watch or listen to do, um, about climate or the oceans? Something something educational, inspiring. Yeah, I
1: think, um, anything by Barry uh, Lopez, maybe The Arctic Dreams or Horizon. You know, he's a, a naturalist that really really gets it. Traveled to. I don't know many many countries spend a lot of time with indigenous people and um writes beautifully transports you to the arctic mm. yeah so mm. maybe no. I,
0: the arctic dreams I've read loved yeah. I I I sort of partly blame Barry Lopez and, and maybe Rob McFarlane and and yeah. uh, Bruce Chatwin we could lump in this yeah. for, for for why I've not yet written my own book because they're they're so good um so yeah <laughs> arctic dreams i i will i will second that recommendation barry lopez and um i should probably dig out a few more of his last question and, and maybe maybe you've given us the answer to this already but um if you had a billion pounds to spend uh with no strings attached on fixing the environment um how would you use it buying some buying some better machines for the lab maybe <laughs>
1: you know what I think I would do what would I do with that wow the dream it's paralyzing you know I think I would start by ensuring that that during school we learn to meditate and we learn Mm -hmm. to we learn about kind of yoga nidra like sleep meditation that takes us all the way back into ourselves so I would um Introduce Yoga Nidra to all schools. So all schools they started with it.
0: <laughs> Love it. Yeah.
1: I think that that that's the revolution we need now, right? We need to we've got all the solutions. We're living at this time of great knowledge. We've got all the solutions we need. Actually, if we feel connected to ourselves and connected to nature, that's gonna uh, that's gonna enable us to roll our sleeves up and, and get on and do the right thing.
0: Mm, very cool. Well, as you know, I, I I've been a sort of weird Kind of, I always saw myself as 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 an athlete rather than an explorer in the old-fashioned sense when I was doing the big polar expedition. But um, so I've always always geeked out about the the you know sort of physical training and nutrition and psychology. And I came across something a while ago um, which. Was was sort of being billed as it was NSDR, non sleep deep rest. Turns yeah. out it, it's yoga nidra. It's exactly the same thing. It's just dressed up in a way that that, that makes sense to me as a, as a as a nerd. Right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, there we go, Joe. Um, what a pleasure! Thank you. Um, very cool story. I, I've learned a few things today. Um, hopefully, a few others have as well. Um, the work you're doing is is really inspiring. And uh, thank you for um, for joining us on new frontiers.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Ben.
0: Thank you for joining me on New Frontiers. For more stories and insights, you can visit my website, bensauders.com. And please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want to leave you with a thought from Norwegian explorer Fridjof Nansen, who wrote this in 1928. It is a difficult time you are living in, no doubt. And the world does not give you a bright outlook just now, perhaps. But it is an interesting time Many important things are happening and it is full of great problems for you to solve. It is you who have to create the future and make the world a better place to live.